When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 657 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, joined today by JD Raider and Ben Funky Askren. Ben is not in his normal studio, and there's a reason why. Go for it. <laughs> this is why are you trying to pick on me? Because it's funny. Part, you know what? It was partially my fault uh, with my lawnmower. It's partially they didn't do a great job of burying it. They should have buried it better, and um, they couldn't come till nine a.m. today. So that's uh, what hour hour away almost. Uh, so I had to come over here. Dang! So um, yeah. you lawn mowed your internet, and now you're uh, you're elsewhere. But we're glad yeah. to, we we appreciate the Did effort. Did Ben cause the internet outage? Are this you early morning? Yeah. Is that who we need to look to? It could have been me. You know, one, one little court in Wisconsin, it's boom, broke the campus back. <laughs> yeah, if you don't know, basically, I could loosely say the internet went down this morning. Yes. Sometime. Not, so, like, it, it to the point that it caused uh, outages for not just us, but, like, Amazon, yeah. Twitch. Reddit, Twitch, um, all, all over the place. So, widespread issues. But uh, I guess th- things are back on flow, at least. I don't know about the uh, the other sites, but... Probably not. Probably not. We're on the cutting uh, edge. Hey, I'm looking at these polling results, Christian. The other uh, result was uh, uh, Valencia over Amin, 7-1. It's pretty interesting. Yes, he uh, he beat him pretty good. It was... Uh, you know, Amin got in on a beautiful outside step. Which got- we, we have a clip of, Ooh, Tyler. Perfect. Watch this, Ben. Boom. And then... As I'm almost dead to rights. I mean, he was, like, behind him. Wait, did he dye his hair? Yeah, back to blonde, baby. You didn't know that he dyed his hair? Was his when? He'd been... He's dyed it... I mean, I would say a year ago. When he graduated from AS... He's had dyed hair for an entire year. So, he... What I will say is, around the time of his graduation last year, he dyed his hair blonde. And then okay. I don't know if when he wrestled JB if he had blonde hair, but I feel like I don't think so. I watched that match. I don't no, think he, had he didn't. Hair. I don't. He's think gone he had back and forth. He's definitely either. had it before, though. Yeah, he was blonde like last about this time last year. Yeah, so maybe it's his yeah. summer summer look. You know, some people yeah. get naturally a little more blonde. Mm-hmm. He does it artificially. For all we know, that's just the sun. We don't know that he's dying it then. Uh, Ryan from the Office style. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like Maybe that. spend some time in Thailand. So we kind of missed the. Uh, we kind of missed that, the, uh, the discussing that was thing. Nice, though. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, and it's like that's so mentally demoralizing. Uh, if you're mean, you get in that deep, that clean like that, and then don't score. And not only don't score, but he got scored on. He gave up the takedown, and then a gut. Mm-hmm. Two, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that was the only time he pretty much came close to scoring. That's one thing with uh, 
with or I guess Zahid that's kind of discounted or, or just not discussed as much is he's really good on top. He's had a good gut wrench for years. He turns turns a lot of pretty good guys. And that one was the transition. It was the takedown right into it on yes. the edge. Yes. So here, I'm looking here as uh, April 2020, he was fully blonde. Really? Yes. Yes. I I'll put it. it I'll ball. put it in the dock, Tyler. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's funny. He's very blonde. Um, Have you ever dyed your hair? Can you imagine you got full I've curls? I've never dyed my hair of any color. Yeah. You've got enough going on. You clearly is. never qualified for state wrestling, then. Yeah, you never even made it to states, bro. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All these years, everyone thinks you're good, and you never even made it to states. Uh, that's funny. It's embarrassing. Oh, man. No, never dyed my hair, not one time. Same. JD, did you dye your hair? No, I did not. Okay, well, zero. so we have no state qualifiers among us. Nope. All right. Well, that's okay. Uh, so other notable results at Poland, there, there are very many. Yeah, day one was hopping. The biggest one, and there, here's the blonde footage of well, possibly uh, Zahid. The biggest result yeah, is the no result at 57 with no Suriano no, and NATO moving up. Yes, yes. So oh, moves up, up a weight class? He's going to be at 61 now, F1. according to Reese Humphrey. Oh, moving forward? Uh, for this tournament, anyway, he registered at 57 uh, originally, and then Reese tweeted the other night that NATO up at 61. So this tournament is not scratch. It is, or it, no, is, it is scratch. scratch. It is scratch. It is scratch. There's no allowance at this tournament. All so, ranking series are scratch weight. So don't even try to get an allowance because it's not happening. So we have no 57s at all because Soriano is not there. Micic, um went undefeated so far. At 57? Yes. I'm, I, I'll count him, Christian. Michit, that's one of our dudes. Well, I don't have the behind it. That's one of our dudes. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's from Gary, Indiana. He's from Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Is he from Gary? He's from Not Gary Wayne Harding, Indiana. Well, that's where – I know Angel Escobedo's from Gary, but I didn't know that Stevan was as well. He's definitely that north um, northwest corner, like close to Chicago. Chicago. Um, I don't know exactly which high school, though, and I don't, I don't do with Gary. Do you go to the same high school as Michael Jackson? I don't know where Michael Jackson went to high school at. <laughs> uh, he probably wasn't allowed to go to high school. Yeah, he was enormously uh, famous at age like <laughs> six. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, JD is our resident Michael Jackson historian. Uh, one of the many reasons we brought him on at Flow. <laughs> 70, I think, has the biggest result of results, which is Alec Pantelio taking out Haji Aliyev 6 6. Best match of the day. Very good match. So we've got some uh, highlight footage here for you that you can watch if you're on the video. And um, starts off with the opening four from Pantaleo when Aliyev fought the takedown a little too hard and then got feet to back. Didn't that, didn't that exact? Oh, sorry. I'll bring it back to the next highlight. Okay. Quad pod holding on in quad pod can be dangerous. Yes. Sorry. This yes, was okay. actually probably the sequence of the entire match, although there were no points scored. Yeah, this is crazy. No, nice. not that one. Not that one. Similar oh, position, good. though, um, from one. Quad Pod. Pantaleo gets behind. Uh, Aliyev looks like he's dead to rights, and then he looks like he has Pantaleo dead to rights. This is a crazy, crazy yeah. scramble. That's some good wrestling, boys. Yeah. That is good wrestling. So a big win for, for Pantaleo. Yeah, although he almost Chris blew it. Too. Right there. Haji took oh. him down and gutted him in the last 10 seconds to tie it, but Pantaleo won 6-6 six to six on criteria. Um, 
So Haji Liam obviously is heavily reliant on that. We call it turtle shell, where it brings the elbow in there. Um, wasn't there a really questionable call? It was like first round of Worlds. It was him and someone else really good. Rashidov. Right? Rashidov, yes. yes. That was to match. Yes, that was a crazy, crazy one. And Haji took the paddles and was throwing them. <laughs> he was very upset. Yes. He did not take that yeah. loss in stride. Also, no, Haji yeah. looked pretty big and not soft at 70, so have fun at 65 in Tokyo, dude. Dude, 2016, this guy was an Olympian at 57 kilograms. Correct. Which, at the time, we were like, this is not going to work. He's not. <laughs> this is not something that he should even consider doing. And he did it, and you're like, yeah, but he's going to do terrible. But he got freaking bronze. He did great, and, uh, and you know. Every Olympic bracket's amazing, but 57 was super tough. Yeah. Day before I Wayans. think it's uh, mm-hmm. something we've talked about a lot. Pentelio, he is he's a real deal, Bubba, but he just can't make – him Him and Green really can't make 65. They're a little too big, but they can compete with the best guys in the world that, as witnessed by that match. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for whoever, right, one of those – I think I, in my pick, one of those two will make the team at 50, 70 kg for this year's Worlds, and I think do really well. So Green beat him again uh, after that match, after he beat yeah, Aliyev. Mm-hmm. Yes. So he uh, he continues to prove to be a, a tough matchup for, for Pantelio. But I'm, I'm with you that they look to be right now the, the class of 70. Obviously James is, right? But if you're looking for that yeah. top contender, I think it's on results, Alex up there. Now we'll see yeah. if any guys like – would someone like Zane consider moving up? I think that would be interesting. Well, 65 is going to have a wrestle-off, obviously. So maybe, you know, I could see Zane moving up, but I could see him not. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of James Green, Ben, did you watch? Well, I watched it, yes. What did you think? Who is Uh, I'm talking about, and I should say, newest flow film came out. Who is James Green? And, uh, yeah, we promised to talk about it. So, Ben, what were your thoughts? Um, Really... Good movie. Um, great getting to know the backstory of James. And I'll tell you, one funny thing they talked about them t- taking to the East Stroudsburg Open. I remember uh, watching a match, and I don't remember if he was junior or senior in high school, but of him and I believe it was Dylan Alton at the East Stroudsburg Open. And Dylan Alton won, but it was a really good match. Mm-hmm. And you could tell, like, wow, these, these guys are both really high level for high school kids. Yeah, it was. And it was that, that thinking about Alton, it's interesting to hear. Bob Acosta, who, if you don't know, if you haven't seen it yet, please watch it. But Bob Acosta was like a, a mentor, coach kind of um, figure, a huge figure in James's life and really invested a lot of time into getting him around wrestling and in the right places um, after, you know, James' father passed away. But anyway, he talks about how Kale recruited the Altons and, and had them, got both of them, but um, then kind of like – not that he had remorse about that, but like thought, man, I really maybe missed an opportunity with James Green. So I thought that was a, a, an interesting little nugget. Um, yeah, so if, I, I I thought it was awesome. I think it was, it's obviously a really tough, tough story. And, you know, thinking about James losing his father at age 10 and what a figure he was in his life. But to see the the ups and downs for James and how his – I mean, he, he seems so just even keel all the time. And um, you have to wonder if, like, his early, you know, Bob, I think, basically said, like, his his early hardships really helped 
kind of forge him into the the man he is now and really just an awesome wrestling success story about giving a guy giving someone some that focus and something to invest in and people around him investing in him and um, it's just a it's just a really cool story and James is such an easy guy to root for yeah absolutely I felt the same way um, I feel like you know kind of the, even without the movie James is just super likable yeah obviously on the show before um, yeah good it was really good seeing the backstory I, I loved it yeah uh, any thoughts James Dean uh, not particularly on the film I did not know uh, too much actually about his backstory but I do have some thoughts on his finals match uh, with Pantaleo, which we have a clip of. There's one part in particular that really um, kind of fired me up. It's not here. James pretty much just controlled this match. There was one really cool for, um, but right here, they call, <laughs> they don't call this grounded. And you can pause the clip, Tyler. That's one point. That's one point. Yeah. But it's so oh. inconsistently called grounded oh, yeah. that I, I hate it. If you're going to have a bad rule, at least call it consistently. Half the time that's called grounded, half the time it's not. If you're just listening to this on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, James takes a shot relatively close to the middle of the mat. Pantaleo sprawls and Green drives him out of bounds. Like, yeah. but, but if that's... Not grounded. What is? Well, I I would say he's Pantaleo comes off his knees, so I that's what yeah, I always look for. So he James does a good job of getting under him enough that he has to come up. Um, so I mean, I think this would have been an, see right there. I think this would have been yeah. an audacious grounding call, but we've seen worse. Yeah. Well, then there are times where dudes clearly just drop down to their knees on the edge so that they can go out of bounds grounded, and yeah. that's called grounded, like. Get rid of this rule. Bad rule. <laughs> or call it consistently. I'm, I'm, I've had enough with the grounded rule. JD's seen enough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all in favor of getting rid of it, for yeah. sure. What's the, what's the purpose of it, even? It's gamed more than it's useful. Just yes. Anytime somebody yeah. steps out, that should be a point. Yeah. It's like a slip. Yeah. It's more often a bail than an actual legitimate attempt. Yes. Or whatever. Doesn't it and. Call? So, like, I think the point of it is that, like, a guy can do a wrestling move, like, sprawl, laces down, and not get pushed across the mat. But it's like, don't get pushed out. Yeah. I, wrestle. <laughs> I, yeah. For real. Yeah. Be offensive. Don't be offensive, or you risk offending JD. Yes. Got it. So, um, he ends up winning, and he is kind of... James really kind of controlled that match. He had a cool four. Yeah, he did on, on the edge. Maybe we can watch that. Um, and it, it really that was like the match deciding exchange, really, because Pantaleo was running. He was on the attack and kind of like a wizard kick from Green. Yeah, I think it's right here. Mm -hmm. Boom, takes him over for gets the Whoa. four, and then that puts the match well out of reach. James up seven zero. You can forget about it. Yes. Okay, um, Mohammedian beat Colin Moore soundly 10-0. Oh, he manhandled he's Colin a, Moore. He, he looks ridiculous again. And then he beat Karimi 2-2, and we're wait, awaiting his finals match. Here's the one takedown he got in this match, and this match was boring as hell. This happened in the first 15 seconds, and <laughs> nothing, nothing else happened. Uh, Mohammedian shut it down. 
He didn't take one more offensive attack. He gave up a um, shot clock point with like 30 seconds left, and then he just uh, let Karimi kind of push him out uh, with 15 seconds left or something like that. It was pretty atrocious they didn't put him on the shot clock sooner, but Karimi didn't do anything to kind of force that shot clock. Well, he seems like hands. a guy, If given that, I wonder if he's a guy, if you can weather the early storm, if you can... Yes. That, that's what gives me hope for he, him He was Snyder. breathing heavy after he teched uh, Colin Moore. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I think a lot of Americans have had success against Karimi, and Muhammad Ian feels like Tenno, he Tenno, Moore, Snyder, and Nickel all. It's, uh, man, it's not looking very hopeful against him right now. Almost to the point where could he go with Sedge Live is something that's got me thinking. I don't think he can, and I also the Karimi match gives me gives me hope because to your point, this is a guy with you know Jaden Cox has had great success against. We've had uh, I think I've had other Americans beat Amin has beaten him, I believe. So he's like a um, you know Karimi would not be make a make a team in America, right? So the fact that Mohammedian is two two with him, I'm thinking okay, throw out the ten zero. Pin or whatever it was. For That's Kyle. also a, like I said, a two-two. Where if he had to, he probably could have scored more points. But he scored that and did not take one offensive attack after that mm-hmm. one in the first fifteen seconds. Yeah, I think I think um, that to me is a confidence. There's there's something going on there that he didn't want to attack more. I don't know. I get, it gives me a little bit more hope. I will choose to look at that positively. A two-two win over Karimi can only be viewed as a positive. For American wrestling fans. Oh, yeah. And yeah, sure. if he could have scored more, I mean, he, he certainly didn't. And there's been many matches where he has wanted to score more and did. Uh, so, you know what? And also, he has to win his finals match, which has not yet been wrestled. But I'm sure if it's not wrestled during the show today, we will talk about it tomorrow. But, yes, he's he is very, very uh, good. It he's, won't be wrestled during the show, I don't think, because I don't think those start, are supposed to start until 11. Okay, got it. So we will not be doing that. But that's a big. That is a big result, uh, and you know who Iran sends is is you know very very notable news for the Olympic Games. Also notable, ninety seven Sharif have lost. Yeah, who who beat him? The um the Italian by way of Cuba. Cuba. Yes, he was um world bronze in twenty eighteen, I believe, and this exchange right here is where all the points were scored. Shrifov takes a decent shot, but gets way extended, and then eventually um, oh gets gosh. stepped over. Yeah, right here. Wow, that was nice. He looked kind of dead to rights there. That's so. Um, and Shrifov just looked like you old. never know if he's gonna give a rip. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. It was like he got in on that shot and then was like not hustling to the finish and got extended, and that's how <laughs> he got stepped over. Yeah, he's such a he's such a legend, but. He, he takes some L's along the way, but then he beats. That kind of makes him more of a legend, in my opinion, that he just doesn't care and can still beat, like, Kale and Jaden. Yeah, he's beaten a, a lot of – and Kyle. And Kyle. Daggone it, Sharifov. Daggone it. You're so hard to I – mean, I, I honestly, if we watch a clip again, I don't feel like he stopped hustling. I feel like he thought – it was more of like he thought he had him. And, Let's watch. You know, there were, I mean, he really has the guy's hips pulled way underneath him, and somehow the uh, – I don't know, Cunado – I think that's a bad yeah. word. So I probably should say Cunado. Yeah, he like tries that. to go crack down. Right. So he no. Right, right. Hold, on, hold on. Ready? Right, right there. Pause He's the done. Like, that's like, yeah, that's like 98% done. Yeah. So he pulls him off. 
far for sure. Yeah, and I I think that's probably what he thought. He's like, wait, what just ah? Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of with you now, seeing it again. I mean, that he was in such good position. He just yeah, that lost. Pull he had, that pull he had was ridiculous, and he, he almost like totally flipped. We talk about when we pulled that like single leg, getting a guy's foot to kick a football, so going way mm-hmm. up in the air. He did that. He has like way up in the air, and the guy recovered his hips. Yeah, some guys can just like you can do everything, and then it's like the rules just don't apply. For, yeah. especially at this at that level. Mm-hmm. Other news: Adam Kuhn, part-time astronaut. Part-time wrestler, now football <laughs> player. He's signed to the Tennessee Titans. This is uh, this is pretty sweet. I'm uh, I'm I'm curious. You know, he hasn't played football since high school, but it's often been discussed. Like this guy seems like a guy that could be just incredible at football. Given he's so athletic for his size, he was very good in high school. You so imagine how big you can NFL. make Adam Kuhn. Like Adam Kuhn has, he legitimately has to cut weight. And then the press release they listed him at three hundred pounds. Oh, easy. But that's not incredibly big for uh, NFL offensive Bro, lineman. He could be three thirty in in the blink of an eye. His frame Still is not incredibly so big. big for an NFL offensive. lineman. He could lineman. be five hundred and sixty four pounds in under a month. Very big for an NFL offensive lineman. Uh, is he going to be a guard, a tackle, a guard? A is what they said most likely. So they said offensive that, line most likely guard. Tackles are the biggest. Yes, guards are more ath- like the a little bit smaller, more athletic. Generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So Ooh, pretty what, pretty cool what, stuff. What, what, I mean, uh you know, I don't know what the the likelihood of him making the team is. Obviously, it's the NFL tends to be competitive. He's on the roster. They kicked some other dude off the roster for him. I like that. So don't they have like a bigger roster now, and then they have to shrink it down as we get closer and closer to the season? Is that how it goes? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And it's like only so many guys actually. What, 53? 53 man roster, I think. Uh, ninety man right now. But it that's what it eventually gets yeah. down to fifty three. Yeah, this is where big, Kyle would be helpful. Freaking <laughs> stupid, Bracky. Yeah, he's still committed. Mm-hmm. Bracky still thinks he's uh, like uh, he's really committed to this this bit that he's going to work at West Virginia now. It's really, oh, he even moved his family. He's he's really committed to it. Uh, no, he uh, wouldn't know. I'm I'm almost positive it's a 53 man roster. 46. 46 on game day, according to ESPN. But I think I think you maybe you dress 46, but I think there's like there can be 53 on yeah. the team. Can include up to 48. Kyle, you son of a gun. Okay. Provided that at least eight of those 48 are offensive linemen. Weird stipulation, but okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. Wow. This ArrowheadPride.com says team rosters are limited to 53 players. Yes. Like I thought, like I said, I am I am the new resident football expert <laughs> of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I know nothing about football whatsoever. I've taken that distinction. Although you, you just know nose tackling. That's what you know. Yeah, I do a little swim move, tackles people, but I don't know any of the rules. <laughs> Not a rules guy. All right, so that's cool. Good luck to uh, Adam Kuhn, and congrats to the Tennessee Titans. Super Bowl champions. Rob Cole got on the Bader show last week and was like, hey, we're going to – he is like in hot pursuit of some assistant coaches, but those announcements have not come yet. Um, There was some speculation about where he may be looking, and I'm sure um, he's got a lot of awesome candidates. I do know that – Damien Hahn will not be going to Stanford. He's the head coach at South Dakota State, so he's going to be remaining there. Jack Rabbits rejoice. Yes. 
Seriously. So, but so it, it says at least in the dog it says that he's struggling to get assistant coaches. How do we know that he's struggling? How no. do we know that he don't got even penciled in? Well, we, we don't know that. We don't know that at all. Well, that's what it says. I'm, I'm just taking you. Know, uh, that's JD's word. JD's the new doc guy. Uh, no, I, I also what, like why yeah. has a coach not been announced? Like he said, he's going on the Bader show. Like yeah, I'm trying to well, build my staff. Why has one not been announced he's yet? Hey, right, JD. What? When he was on the Bader show, I don't recall what day, but he said the following day he would announce his first assistant coach. Yeah, but part of me is like, well, don't they have to like go through some level of like administrative red tape before they can just do that? Yes. They can't just you can't Rob just, say, Cole just can't hop on on Stanford and be like, and hey, this is my new coach. You trust me, he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, so I th- I think it's probably that I would be stunned if there, he doesn't have at least one coach on board. It's just a matter of. Well, I've heard Vincenzo's a done deal. I've, I've been texted that a few times. Really? Yes. Well, he, like, um, when he was on Bash's pad podcast with Chenzo, like, kind of joke courted him, but, like, there was a little bit of truth to that for sure. So. Yeah. No, no, I've heard that's a done deal, but I I guess we'll see. I mean, that would, that's got to be – that would be music to Shane Griffith's ears. You know, get a partner like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what – you know, one of the things that I think I mentioned this on FRL, so I'm sorry if it's redundant, but Coach Blake said he's like, we need to we need to get Shane some more partners, um, yeah. you know, because you know he's he, he just needs to be pushed. So that's uh, that would be a perfect hire, It'd make a lot of sense. You get someone that you know been around the Penn State program for for whatever that's worth, um, and then you know quality young coach, and you know yeah. what an opportunity for Vincenzo too. If he goes, right? Yeah, it's all, this is all spec, it's all speculative at this point. But Ben's getting yeah. texted about it, therefore. But you got to trust the text. Yeah, I mean, listen, when there's smoke, there's fire, for sure. Yes, yes. That's, you know, that's a funny thing about all the, all the rumors and the things you get texted. They're almost all right. Close. Yeah, like a lot of stuff on Twitter, you'll see it's like, no, it's not. But like... If it ends up like coming to to us, it it ends up being right. It's kind of funny how, how yeah. often yeah. there's not a lot of people pulling things out of thin air. Yeah, and, and, and other than Rob Cole's salary. Um, well, obviously, then if someone texts you it and then you know they're they're wrong um, a couple times in a row, you're like, okay, well, I'm not even listening to this person anymore because they're totally full of crap. Yeah. And then obviously there are sometimes when something falls through. But like with this Vincenzo, if you'll text me, it's like at the very least, uh, there's some intent there. They've had conversations. I'm assuming maybe he's going out to visit and he said, I really like it, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, there's got to be a whole bunch of administrative red tape. So they've got to get through that part. So there's a potential that falls through. But other than that, I'm assuming that it's going to happen. I wonder who – so with Vincenzo, you get the – there's like different roles that coaches fill, like Vincenzo is going to be a, a brand-new coach. He's going to be a really quality guy to have in the room as, as a partner and, and someone to, you know, g- give some experience to the to the wrestlers. But then you, yep. do you feel like Rob's going to need a guy with, like, more seasoning? Do you think a more experienced assistant coach? Um, yes, that'll sure. probably be the next next order. Yeah. So I wonder who that might be. I mean, I would say Vincenzo, he seems – you know, I've never actually met him, but he seems to be very personable, very yes. likable. So he's he a guy – you send out, you know, on recruiting trips and stuff like that or to go tournaments. 
he obviously could be in the room working out with the guys. Um, but usually kind of what I've seen is that younger guys like that are really struggle with like practice planning because it hasn't been on, they haven't had to do it. You know what I'm saying? So to plan out an individual practice and how they're all going to go together over the course of the season and how we're going to develop skills, like they're going to struggle more with that. And I think, I think Rob is, doesn't seem like an every single day in the room type of guy. He's the so CEO coach. Yeah, exactly. So you would need someone to kind of like take over that role. And obviously you can plug Vincenzo in and say, hey, I want you to run this practice, this practice. And then obviously he gets better at it. Vincenzo slash a younger coach, right? Whoever it is. Right. Um, but that takes a couple of years to like kind of figure out how you want to structure everything. Because as an athlete, you don't really have to think about that. You're having things structured for you. And when you, once you get to be a coach, now it's like, oh, this is all on me. Yeah. When you were a young uh, coach, what was your role like? Um, I, you know, I didn't do, um, so I was assistant, uh, volunteer assistant in Missouri tw- two years. And I was assistant at Arizona State two years. Um, you know, in Missouri, I was primarily just tr- training, right, for the Olympics still. So it was like, hey, you mainly do that. Um, obviously, I'd work out with a lot of the guys. I had the younger guys be my training partners. Um, and then, you know, when there was an area of expert, my expertise and they want me to, you know, get in the room and help out, I, I would do that type of thing. Um, but even as a, as a college senior coach Smith realized I was kind of on the breaking edge of some of the scrambling stuff. And in the preseason, he would kind of like, Hey Ben, you just show him your moves today, <laughs> you know, like show him what you're doing. And now, I mean, that was fairly regular even as a, a college kid. So I think that was probably, um, a little different to most people's experience. So in addition to, you know, us kind of waiting to see who Rob ends up bringing to Stanford, I'm also curious about Cornell because Mike Gray, he's promoted, Rob's gone, Gabe Dean's gone. Um, Who do do they bring in? Oh, wait, you want to know, I heard another rumor on Stanford. You ready to hear this? Hit me. I heard Mitch Clark. Really? Yes, which he is he hasn't been in the game for a few years. Um he obviously coached at Cornell for a little bit of time. I don't remember when he was done coaching there. Um but you know that would be an interesting hire cuz he hasn't really been coaching fairly recently. Yes, yes. Um that that would be an interesting hire. Pulling him out of uh out of yeah, retire- uh, retirement, I guess. Pretty sure he's from. Uh, is he from Canton, New York? That's where my my. my he's answer. from Upstate New York somewhere. Yeah. In Upstate York. Yep. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, so curious to see about the coaching. Are there other coaching vacancies that we're waiting to be filled or announced? JD, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't think so. uh, will Will American need an assistant? Yeah, I would assume so. Although maybe they're keeping. Yeah. And it's also interesting, like, where will Blake end up? You know, is he staying? I don't think he's staying at Stanford. No, I don't. Th- uh, I don't think Coach Cole's keeping those guys around. Yeah, based on what it sounded like to me. Yeah, and Rob you, yeah. and Rob's interviewed himself. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it feels like the the, the I don't say transfer, but the coaching moves are, are kind of slow. Uh, this offseason. It seems like there's usually a lot more and there hasn't been very many. Right. Okay. Yeah, it has been. I don't know why it's been 
slower than usual. Has anyone, there haven't been any like uh, terminations or anything. Normally at the end of the season, some some uh, coaches were like, mm-hmm. oh, Teague, Teague Moore was like, oh, but that was kind of like mid-season. Yeah, they, yeah. Weird year, so we haven't seen. Obi Blanc was just promoted. That's the opposite. The opposite, even better. <laughs> Head associate, Obi Blanc. Yeah. All right, next up. Uh, where to Christian Carroll? This is huge news. I don't know how this this made it so far in the show or at A forty seven. We haven't talked about this. JD hit us with this one. Christian Carroll, the number three uh, sophomore right now, is going to Illinois. Yeah, he uh, he gave his verbal commitment uh, Friday. Um, he's he's a hammer, one ninety five pounder, probably probably a heavyweight in college. Uh, you would think he'd continue to put on uh, the mass. Maybe he could stay at 97, though, but a uh, good pickup for uh, already for Poeta. Yeah, great pickup. And Carroll was the guy that won Super 32, but the year before he was, one, much smaller, and two, injured, I believe. Yes, so, so he, he was has like not off rest- the grid. He has not wrestled a high school match, actually, yet, like for his what? high school. Scholastically. Ever? Ever. He was injured all of freshman year, and then he transferred um, as a sophomore, and I think they ruled him ineligible, so he wasn't able to wrestle, uh, <laughs> and now he's committed. So, Dang. Um, you know what? I, and I didn't realize last week that Chittam was only a sophomore. I was thinking he was a junior. Right. I feel like this is one of those where – um, I, at this age, I feel like I almost want to discount it because they still have two years of high school left. Like, I mean, how many how many people have we seen change? In what uh, Teasdale right was one of them. Um, Buziello, I mean, this has been a whole bunch of really high level guys who committed that early and then changed their mind by the time they get to their senior year because there's there's two years left before they, you know, right about two years from this time is probably when they'll be starting to move to college or get ready for that move. Yeah, it, it is early. Um, I, I, what I don't understand is the, you know, what's the advantage? Because they can't, you're not, you're agreeing to going there, but they can't promise money. Well, yeah, they can't give you anything. So there are ways kind of around it, but college coaches can't even reach out to high school sophomores yet. That changes June 15th. A week from today is the first day they can reach out. Um, so now Christian Carroll, um, is, he's an Indiana guy, but he is within driving distance. It's a couple hours, but I am guessing he has been to the Illinois RTC, um, to train and work out there. You can talk to coaches. Obviously I know, um, Chittum has been to, uh, the Minnesota RTC a time or two to work out. So you can, you can do that stuff. But you, I know they obviously haven't been contacted by all the coaches that would reach out or and are going to. Um, yeah. Just because you verbal doesn't mean a coach can't reach out to you um, on June fifteenth. So yeah. it's it, an I, interesting I thing. We didn't we have this discussion? I feel like it's been a while, Christian. But where if I'm a college coach in 2021 and someone verbals, I'm just going to recruit them like they didn't verbal. I don't yeah. give a damn. Exactly. Why not? 
Why not? Uh, it, it is interesting. Some coaches are like, we do not. If you have verbaled, it is like, we will not recruit, blah, you know, no matter what. Like, we don't think they, there's, for whatever reason, they think ethically that's like the wrong thing to do. But I kind of, I don't, I don't think I understand that actually. Yeah, I don't understand, especially in these scenarios, like like um, JD just brought up, is that um, they can't actually get called until June fifteenth. That's we're seven days away. Yeah. So right. I, if I'm Michigan, I haven't got to talk to Christian Carroll. I'm at least gonna give him a call and say, "Hey, man, what's up? I like your wrestling. How about you come, you know, see what we got to offer? Something to that effect." Yeah, and if and if Christian gets on the phone and says. Hey, I'm not interested. I am not gonna consider any other schools. Like, okay, fine. Then you let them alone. But I, I think, I mean, you're and partially you're 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 not doing your job if you don't at least put it out there. If, yeah. if it's someone a, yeah. a recruit of need, I would yeah, also encourage. Obviously, different situation for every kid. Some just know they want to commit. Whatever. Yeah. But if any high school recruit out there is asking me, I would say take all five visits. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, Especially if you're like one of the not? blue chippers, you can get the whole, yes. you know, can yeah, get that red carpet rolled out for you. High school kids don't understand leverage. Um, this is a very important life skill to understand your leverage. Yeah. If you're a Christian soldier, Cody Chittum, listen, they're going to save the money till the last day. They're, they're going to do that. Right. Because a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of these college coaches pulled this. Hey, um, you got to be committed by June twenty second. Then I got to recruit somebody else. And you're like, well, I know your date is bullcrap. Um, and and if if you're like not that great, maybe there's there's some truth to it because yeah. the, they can go for someone else that can replicate you. But if you're a number one, I mean, these guys are both going to be number one in their weight class. Probably come when you pull the seniors out. They're going to wait. They're gonna they're gonna wait, they're gonna have money. And and frankly, to be honest, the college coaches don't really know. Because who's gonna quit your team in the next two years? You have no idea. Who's gonna want to transfer? You have no idea. So the idea that you're gonna have know what your scholarship situation is really gonna be when these guys step on campus two years later is it's it's just a lie. If you're telling someone you know, it's actually a lie. Well, it's not a well. I think it's. Uh, it is a lie. You don't know. There's no way you know who's gonna who's gonna quit, who's gonna get injured, who's gonna transfer. You don't know. You just don't know. It's too far away. You can say, "Here's what I think is gonna be a situation." You can say that, right? But you can't say, "Here's the scholarship situation." That's crap. Well, okay, but you have your roster. You have these are con. These are four or five year contracts, whatever you want to call them. That money is allotted and accounted for through however many years, right? So there is. It's not quite as um, fluid as maybe your description because there are, there are some constraints there. Yeah. So it's not it's yeah. not fully you know I don't think they're being fully disingenuous and they're like hey man we've got these guys are on the team they're on the team for the next three to four years when you would come as a freshman this money's not I mean I think there are there are real that's, constraints. That's the, kind of that's the kind of things that college coaches say they 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 they. they I'm telling you, I know that they tell you, tell the kids, hey, we're going to have this much money for you. And right. then they do, they do the gift, like, well, if you don't tell us by June 20th, then that money's off the table and we're going to go to somebody else. And like I said, for some lower ranked guys, that might actually be the case because they just want to get some, they want to get someone committed. But yeah. for these highly ranked guys, 
they're they're gonna save the money. They're gonna figure out where the money is. If, if Cody Chittum uh, in the fall of his senior year says, you know what, I'm not going to Minnesota. I want to go to Iowa. I'm pretty damn sure Iowa's gonna figure out how to find the money at that point in time. Yeah, they'll figure something out for sure. Um, so yeah, sorry that's that subject gets me all fired up, Christian, because I believe college coaches, a lot of them, not all of them, take advantage of the naiveness. Is that a word? Naiveness? Naivete. Naivete of high school kids who don't understand. High school kids kids' parents who don't understand this whole game. Um, So it it really pisses me off when they do that. Yeah. That's definitely not cool. Um, But yeah, to the, to your point, you know, why are sophomores committing? I mean, I, I think, they end up around the program and you just kind of know but to your point and I, I don't think this is the end of the Christian Carroll recruiting process at least in terms of teams pursuing Christian whether Christian entertains it or not I don't know but case in point very recently um, even though he maintained his commitment Richard Figueroa Richie Figs he took he took visits after committing to Arizona State and it probably would more What's that? He probably would take him more if Corona didn't happen. True. And I don't blame I don't blame Richie for doing that. I don't blame any kid for doing that. Um, you it's know. an important decision. Yeah, it's super important. Okay, right? <laughs> and and don't don't and this has nothing to do with Richie Figueroa, but in general, they're, they're the coaches not only do they the coaches push for the public commitment at times. They say, hey, yes. yeah, put, put this out. Put it out there. Are you it, coming? It is beneficial to them, obviously. What's that? It's beneficial to the colleges. Absolutely it is. Yeah, because then you do get those coaches that aren't going to reach out. Plus, it maybe not for all, but for some kids could definitely pressure them to, okay, I'm no longer going to take some visits or mm-hmm. I don't want to flip my commitment even though they kind of go, eh, well, now I kind of maybe am thinking about going here, but I already announced that I'm going here. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But also from a, a fan base support, you know, when when, a, fan, when a, a team gets someone good committed, the fan base gets all excited, then you can use that kid to say, hey, hey, Christian Piles, JD committed to us. You know, you guys would be great partners. You guys are already friends. Why don't yeah. you commit also? So I can use that to leverage uh, other commitments as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's just you, – you well, obviously, as a college coach, um, and if I was in the game, I feel like I would try to be as transparent as possible about how I don't know what money is going to be available. But at the same time, if I can get uh, a sophomore to commit, I'm, I'm probably going to do it because you have to. Right, right. Um Recruiting's it's an interesting game. It's a huge part of the sport. Now, yes. other interesting, uh, sort of in the uh, maybe speaking of recruiting, <laughs> of recruiting or not recruiting, once you recruiting, recruiting. What's that? This is recruiting. Okay. What well, I don't know, JD, explain the situation. Um, so, Kill Voinovich. Um, whose older brother wrestles for Oklahoma State, is transferring in to Stillwater High School from Ohio. Not the first time this has happened. Uh, the Ferraris famous move. Not the hundredth time. Yes, correct. I mean, the Rogers. I mean, this goes back. Yes, correct. Um, but it's, it's getting a lot of people fired up on both sides, whether how you feel about 
high school kids transferring for athletic purposes? Yeah, so the the most interesting part of – well, I don't know if it's the most interesting part, but we should put the tweet in there. Um, Mustang, Oklahoma, I believe's athletic director uh, kind of took a jab at Stillwater High School for this. I forget exactly what he said, something on – just along the lines oh, of it. I thought I had – here it is, Robert Foreman. Um Another high-profile wrestler moves into Stillwater, establishing residency to qualify for in-state tuition, training at Oklahoma State at the same time, benefiting a former Cowboy wrestler who coaches at Stillwater High. Interesting. I'm positive all NCAA and OSSAA rules are being followed. Laughing emoji. Here, I'll, I'll put this in the in the doc. There so I, I just made a quick list while we were uh, – and, and you guys can probably list people that I'm, I'm missing. Ross Holt. Uh, Rochelle, Travis, uh, Teague Travis, uh, Ferraris, Morant, Tristan Moran, Vowinovich, Rogers, Deeringer. I mean, that's what, that's eight or nine? I mean, and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing. I mean, that was just off the top of my head in 15 seconds, the guys that they've got to come down there. I think it's tremendous. I mean, I, I applaud whoever at Oklahoma State has the idea. Uh, it's almost amazing that other no schools else don't do it more. Like you don't see state college, you don't see someone doing it at state college where they could train at M two and attend. Maybe they put a coach well, at state college. They do something a little, uh, like what? Like Nick and Joe Lee and their senior year of high school, they were at state college. They didn't. Um, I think they. I don't know where they went to school. Uh, but they they've kind of moved in there. They didn't wrestle for state college high school, but they sort of moved there and then, you know. Okay. Trained, but then Iowa City had Iowa City had um, uh, Mark Ryland, and they had a good program for a while. And and I don't recall families moving in there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some Iowa with an Iowa moving there, but not out of state. But I mean, the ones we listed were Idaho, Missouri, Texas, Arizona, Ohio, Washington, Wisconsin. I mean, from all over the place, and. and I'm sure, I'm sure there's within Oklahoma that I don't even know about. Those are just from very far away. And I mean, I, I don't need to recap my feelings on, on living in Stillwater. Um, but who's ever convinced these families to move from Washington or Arizona to Stillwater? That's a that's a great job recruiting. Tremendous. I mean, yeah. And then obviously there's huge benefits because I think um, let's see of all those families, I think all the kids went to Oklahoma State. I mean, uh, I'll get, yeah. if they were good, right? So if they were good enough. So, for example, Deeringer's younger brothers never were on that level, so they didn't they didn't go, right? But uh, Chandler Rogers was the younger brother. He went. Tristan Moran was the younger brother. He went. Jared Rochelle, Blake Ferrari. Rochelle, they went. Uh, his younger brother is already committed. Yep, they're going to go. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, uh, I've, never, I've never gotten too fired up about the high school kids – moving, transferring, going for a, a better situation. I think, man, you see it all the time. It happens all over the place. It happens in all sports. I'll never fault kids or families that want to, you know. I mean, I think about it all. I'd be like, man, it would be really cool if Caleb could go to school here and be able to train with these guys and have a good coach. And I just imagine that on, like, a national level. And you've got a kid, like, you know, you've already got a guy that's going to Oklahoma State and you want the best for your son and it's a good situation. I think it makes sense. Does it 
eliminate some of the, I guess you could say, purity of high school sports in that, you know, you have kids representing their towns and they're trying to – the school. It's like, yeah, you, you do lose some of that. And I, I do think there's something to be said for our kid that, you know, is born in Stillwater and goes to high school well, there like a Cade Brock. Uh so I think that should only give you more pride when you do when you are that kid and you beat that team or you beat that uh, that yes. kid that moved in. I know Mustang, Oklahoma, uh, like they were wearing shirts that said "Homegrown." Like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that that makes it even more cool. Like, yeah, you you be so y'all didn't need to move people in, yeah, or whatever, but. But it's tough. You have um, a team. It's super competitive. You're looking really good. And then, boom, some guy, not from the state, from Ohio comes in and is maybe going to stop your team from winning. Yeah. I get why that um, irritates the if you're if it's not helping you. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess I wasn't even thinking about it on, on that level, which I was at another level to think about it. And I don't really um, – care all that much if kids move a little bit to give themselves a better opportunity um within their area i i don't get the across the country moves i just i don't i don't think i would do that sacrifice for my high school kids uh, my, my own my own biological kids i would try to get them a good situation somewhere where where we live well, it's also beneficial uh, because you get to be in your you know son's college town and get to watch them right and still have your whole family together instead of the one being across the country. And also, to be fair, Ben. I, don't, I wouldn't like that. I would have said I'm out on that. I wanted to get away. I mean, listen, I love Well, yeah, parents, if you're the kid, I, that's what I would have said. I wanted to get away, too. bro. I wanted to go to college. And Stillwater isn't big. They're going to know what you're doing. That's not yeah. going to be great. They're going to end up at yeah, senior, what's it called? What kind of girls you're hanging out with, JD? You don't want that. You uh, want I, that I, no, I, I would not have know. wanted that. That's why I went to school out of state. <laughs> Me too. Like, seven <laughs> hours was perfect. They could come visit me if they wanted to, but they, you know, they weren't. But in my not backyard. all. Not all people. Not yeah. all families feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I feel like uh, uh, eighteen is a good time for uh, uh, kids to go out and live on their own and figure out how to be adults and not have yeah. their families bugging them. But yeah, I know not everyone feels that way. Um, yeah, and so I mean, I, I guess the big, the bigger thing for me is like again. Why have other colleges not done this? Because like we, I said on this list, I'm sure I'm missing some. Any of those kids who were good enough to go to Oklahoma State and wrestle, they did, right? And obviously some of them, um, like uh, Jared Rochalt or Chandler Rogers, had pretty high-level success at Oklahoma State. So it, it definitely seems like an unfair advantage on that level of – they get them to Stillwater a year or two or three years early, and they train them. And you know, man, that seems like a huge advantage. Oh, absolutely. You also have to. I can't believe they got that many families to move there. It's like not that Seriously. many people have job careers that are like, "Yep, we can just pack up and go to Stillwater uh, and continue my career." I think that's probably what's holding a lot of people back. It's one thing to get you know a college kid there. It's another thing to say, "Hey." parents leave your jobs yeah. or hopefully you have the right jobs to that you can just move across the country mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so it's interesting um i'm excited for i mean watch follow oklahoma high school wrestling next year <laughs> a little bit of drama is not the well, worst well, thing how many churches are they, are they gonna have on their team next year feels like a lot uh i don't know i mean the for Two Ferraris, right? Yeah, two, two Ferraris. Ferraris. Avoinovich. 
Travis graduated. Right. Feels like there's someone else they have right now. Uh, I mean, they're going to have a loaded team, Smith, but that's literally John Smith's son. Carter Young is born and raised still water. He's not a transfer. And he's not – Carter's not going there. Carter's going to Northwestern, which is – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's one. That's my home visit if he gets too good, though. (laughs) (laughs) You think I'm joking? No. No, I don't think he's going to visit. Yeah, holy cow. <laughs> okay, um, so where do you want to go next? Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to go home and say roster to make sure I'm not missing anyone that moved in. Okay, don't think we are. Yeah, no, I think I think we're good. Okay, so uh, J- JD had. Uh, Thought maybe we could start talking a little tears for next year. What do you think? I'm great with that. I think the tears are fun. When did we do them last year? Was it this early? Who knows? We may have done them in March. We were so starved for content. I don't know when we did it. Not March. That was a actually. I uh, think y'all did them super late because the season didn't start until January. Oh, you might be right. Why don't we talk about this uh, Michael Sears thing? That I think that's interesting. I'm curious to hear what he's doing in grappling. Um, oh, and then here's yesterday or tomorrow. I gotta find some clips. I gotta find some clips to share because Hollywood Mike Sears is uh, uh, he's a character, and the Flow Grappling team are are doing big things in the sport of jujitsu. And they well, basically I mean, stalling, stalling is like it's very accepted in jujitsu. Not like wrestling. Like wrestling is definitely frowned upon. Although yeah. there are some people who stalling tactics. Jujitsu, it's like hey, that's just part of the thing. Like that's what you do. Yes, absolutely. It's it's ingrained in the fabric of of jujitsu in within certain factions and and rule sets. So the and thing, yeah. one of the things with jujitsu is like you think there's a lot of different rule sets in wrestling. You have no idea. It, grappling, it's like it's all out there. You've got ADCC rules, IBJJF rules. You've yeah. got this event promotion. You've got that event promotion, and so. What Sears has done and the team, they, they've come up with a, uh, an actual rule set that like re- rewards actual action in jiu-jitsu and submission and calls out stalling. And like, you know, it's, it's, it's been really kind of cool to see. And the community has really taken hold and the event is blowing well, up. How are they ju- doing I'm curious. How are they? Um, basically, they made the rules the way they want them. So like, if you're not, if you're not, it's not based on like, um, positional like if you get a takedown or if you like pass someone's guard yeah. that is not valued near as much as like actual submission attempts and like actually trying you know, so they're, they're doing that, that was what i that's where i think you have to go with it i just think it's very difficult to score what is a submission attempt so there's no um, points that's, okay so no it's, points right this is, it's like a submission only rule set but like it's you can't fake it you can't like feebly grab a foot and say, okay, I'm trying to submit it. Like it has to be legitimate so that right now and the rules are such that like Joe Rogan and John Danaher are talking about like, this is the most entertaining style of, of jujitsu we've seen. Someone that doesn't know jujitsu could sit and watch these events with this rule set and would enjoy it and find it um, entertaining. So that's obviously been the goal and it's not, you know, fully, even reached its full form, they still think there's there's room for improvement there with the rules. And, you know, having great refs is a big part of it and having them kind of on the same page. So they've done a lot, and it's a cool thing because, like, 
we could come up with a rule set and make, yeah, we could say, hey, I get rid of grounded or this and that, but probably wouldn't take hold. But in grappling, like this is something that, that can really take off and be like, right now, who's number one is like the biggest like event promotion outside of like ADCC. Yeah. They don't. They don't have to. They don't have to answer to the IOC or the NCA or UWW. So, uh, so you're saying there's no points, but you're saying when they, they, I'm assuming they pick a winner. If there's no submission at the end of the match, they pick a winner, and that winner, based on criteria, submission attempts is like number one or whatever. Yes. Yes. Makes sense. Yeah. Much better. And also, not even are they altering the rules. They say if you stall, screw you. You're not coming back. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like yeah. if you if you have a boring match and you know you're not trying to score, you're just trying to stall. Like we're not gonna have you back. We're gonna use other guys and um, or gals that are that are more exciting. So they're like they're so product focused. They're so focused on putting the most entertaining jujitsu in front of people. It's like entertainment is the like main the objective. It, the who's number one belt is to. Um, uh, award the title of the most exciting grappler at that weight. Yeah, not the one who can stall or like game their way. Like they have to actually legitimately be entertaining and and submission oriented. So it's a really cool thing. Um, so we're excited about it. And you'll get to see that next week on the Burroughs IMAR card. You'll get to see all the the best, most exciting jujitsu, and then you'll get to see the best part: a match between Burroughs and IMAR. I know the one that I, I mean I don't know what rule you guys would like to take out or put in, um, but the one that annoys the crap out of me. And you listen, you, you yes to your point, you have to have educated referees who are, are willing to make the right calls mm-hmm. and get get the college coaches probably out of their face so often. When the top guy pushes the, the bottom guy directly out of bounds and folks out, that that one annoys the crap out of me. And to me, it's it it's almost never called. It's so obvious. It's so obvious. Uh, I would call that in a heartbeat, and then and then they would they would essentially stop, right? That would not happen anymore because it's being called. So you would eliminate that whole thing. Bottom guys I would, would get eliminate way more folk style. Oh, ooh, ouch! Man. Look, not not enough people are good on good enough on top. I like the idea. I like it in principle of you take a guy down. You should they should have to get up and they should have to get out. But it just leads to uh inferior product it just does Man. yeah so i love I, folk style you, you get your zanes and your david taylors but for the most part you get bad top and bottom you get writing I or an escape I, mean, I also think more... also you get to stand back up eventually like at the end of the period yeah um i so i disagree i obviously love folk style wrestling i like freestyle wrestling also um but no, I think the top bottom battles are fascinating. I, I think just the part that's hurting it is the unwillingness of referees to make real stalling calls. And you know what it's manifested itself into becoming is there are these, if you do this, this five count or that five count or this five count it's stalling, but then there's no regular stalling. So it's like, you should be able, I mean, to what kind of what Christian was saying about the grappling is like, I should be able to watch and be like, oh, that guy's stalling. I shouldn't need mm-hmm. a five count or something else to tell me. And it, and so I guess maybe the problem is there's not enough consistent refereeing because, yeah, if you have a bunch of different referees who are calling a bunch of different things, that's going to make it very difficult for the coaches and competitors to, to train. Um, but I think if we could just call top stalling properly, it would solve a whole bunch of the issues. Man, and I, I also think – I think that would just lead to a bunch of 
cut escapes. At least in the immediate Which future. Which I mean, to your point, if they're not good on top and they can't turn and they're just riding to stall and they have to cut them, that's fine. That's what you want anyways. So that's fine. Yeah. I mean, then you get a lot of like three takedown matches to three escapes and then one guy gets one takedown and it's like yeah, three takedowns to one is almost a tight yeah. match. Which it, it, that's that could be okay because it's like if you don't want that, get better on top as well. But Yes. Yeah, don't suck on top. It's simple. Yeah. Yeah, so I I don't think well, yeah, don't right. I, I'm not as uh, not as much of a folk style hater as as JD. I think there are some tweaks that could they can make the product overall better. But do you look at the at the best wrestlers? I mean, I'm just looking at the podium at 125. Man, they're either exciting or and I think there's a lot of good top wrestlers. Also, I don't think uh, I think if you look at the podium, I think it's full of. Tough, tough mat wrestlers as well. So I don't think it's just uh, I don't know. I don't find the, the mat to be a boring aspect. I, th- I think about some of the tiebreaker matches while there's some horrible ones. Yeah. But like some of those. Ti- there are some bad ones. Some of those tiebreakers where they're pushing for the. For the what'd you say? There's some great ones. There's some great ones. Yeah, and there's some good overtime matches too. Doesn't mean we should have overtime. I don't disagree with that. I like criteria, but I, I think they're. I'm not as kill. Uh, Folk style and it happy as, as as some people are. I think there's some <laughs> tweaks that could make make it uh very very exciting. Um, just there, there's kick some. Up before he tries to start a movement or something. Yeah, we can't. We gotta. We have it, to kill a spirit. It will, it will, no, they won't even initiate a step out, and people are begging for a step out. No yeah. one. Not that many people are Including begging. Coaches. Not that many people are begging. Um, to transition to freestyle a lot of people are begging for a step out or even a change to the stalling rules and they won't do that how does they, how, it, folk style will not be gone uh anytime in the foreseeable future how about this how does nca women's wrestling impact this so if it becomes they were NCAA, smart they went freestyle <laughs> right i'm saying if they go freestyle is that like maybe a potential domino? I was like, okay, it's going to be a lot easier if we just do the same sport. Because they're going to do – you have to imagine with, with NCAA wrestling – It's too ingrained in the culture in America right now, I feel like, to just – It ain't that ingrained. It's not like baseball. It's, uh, it's freaking yeah, it's wrestling. It's a niche sport. Yeah, a niche sport where a lot of people hate change. Yeah. Well, and look, it's like look where that's got them. <laughs> yeah, but it's like – so – who changes first high school or college and you got to assume one will follow the other but what so you just make all these these random high school wrestling coaches who uh to be fair like maybe not that versed in freestyle a lot of them don't that's gonna be a big problem yeah (laughs) so like what you're just gonna make them learn freestyle learn parterre yeah I know I couldn't have done it. <laughs> I, I like I could coach folk style wrestling. If I had to coach freestyle, it would have been even worse. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I've sure figured it out. Yeah, I would have. I would have figured it out. Um, okay, so I yeah, mean, I mean, in some ways it's more difficult, and in some ways it's easier because if you think of like all the things that you need to learn on bottom and freestyle for our sorry folk style leg ride defense, crab ride defense, clearing mm-hmm. riz. You know, all these things versus um, – and I don't want to make it sound too simplistic because there's obviously a lot of nuance to it. But just, hey, don't let the guy turn you over. And primarily it's going to be two moves, a gut wrench or a leg lace. 
Um, right? They go to leg lace you, pull, put your ass back. If they go to gut wrench you, you know, fight the lock and then try to get tough and turn into it. Like, um, you know, that's that's way more simplistic than the bottom folk style. Um, and then on to- top, obviously, kind of similar. Um, one of the things I would worry about at the high school level, not the college level, is just like no mat time. Like if you stink in folk style, sometimes you get pinned. But there's a lot of times where it goes the whole match and you lose, you know, 14 to 2 or something like that. Freestyle, dude, you could be over in 15 seconds every single time. Take down lace, take down lace. And now this guy's getting like a cumulative six minutes of mat time the whole season or something like that. Yeah, I I, I feel you on that. Um, and I kind of like the – you could – and you could – there's a lot of this in freestyle. But in folk style – there's just so many different ways to win and score and, and do things. Whereas like freestyle, to your point, top wrestling is basically limited to two moves by and large. But I do think that with freestyle, what you get is there are more creative opportunities to score in freestyle. There's more ways to score. There's more wild exchanges there, but you lose it on the mat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. What was the- I also think it's odd that we're an Olympic sport and we don't wrestle folk style in the Olympics. Yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing because Stanford would be like, oh, they cut Olympic sports, but I wonder if they ever look like, well, they don't actually wrestle the Olympic style, right? Either of them. To be honest, I don't think that many people outside of wrestling even know that. But- yeah, don't tell them. <laughs> don't tell them. Ben, what was the worst stalling tactic used against you? Because we know you didn't stall. Um, well, that was why I created the assassin. Everyone was just laying on the bottom, so I couldn't cradle them. Um, and then I made up the assassin, and they couldn't do it anymore. It was tremendous. <laughs> People were literally wrestling freestyle against you on bottom. Parterre. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, yeah, I would cradle them so many times. Um, so then, yeah, the last two years I created the assassin, and then that solved that issue. That was probably the number one. How did you? Uh, What's that process like? Like, do you start messing around with it well, in, a, in a practice? I'm sure guys were doing that no, in the room. It's actually, it's actually the ultimate camp story where I, I tell kids like, "Hey, if I'm showing you a bunch of moves at camp, I understand that they're not all going to go into your wrestling like right away." Um, but you need to remember what you learn here because the primary reason you came here was to learn, and if you don't remember these things, then it's a waste of everyone's time. So the, the, the assassin, I actually learned as a Greco-Roman move in 1995. Huh. I never used it. I didn't do it one freaking time, uh, not once. And then you know this problem was happening like a decade later. We're talking 2005, six, right, that season, and the problem was happening. And I thought back to that move, and I'm like, huh, what about that move? Like, that might be a possibility. And then, I, you know, I, I tried it, um, and boom, it started, it started working. And then I started doing it on everybody. Dang. And obviously, in Greco, you, you would roll them. You wouldn't hold them on their back. The idea was to keep rolling them through, you know? Right. Um, and then, so I thought, well, I could, this is, like, I could probably do that. But I'll just, you know, obviously, I'll put the hip down, I'll pivot, and, and then they'll stay there. And uh, that became the solution. So that that was the number one problem, and I found I found a solution. Dang. Well, kids, yeah. pay attention in camp, you, even Greco camp. You might use it a decade. Later. You never know. In a even at stall match. camp. Even at stall camp. <laughs> okay. Let's go to. Why don't we go to tears and then at one twenty-five talk about those a little bit, and then uh, it'll probably be go time. What do you say? I almost did something cool. audacious here. Almost made oh, a big mistake. That? 
I almost I almost put Pat and Vito in tier one with Spencer, and then I didn't. I'm really glad I, I didn't. thought. Oh, so when I looked at the doc last night, there was no. Oh wait, look, is, scroll down. Okay, scroll down. Got it. Got it. Got it. Pat and Vito. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm good with that. Yeah. Wait, we're good with what? The way you have tier two with the three people. Yeah. If Vito yeah, goes 125, I think it's at least a conversation he could creep up with Spencer. If Spencer is the Spencer of this year's NCAA Finals. Which it absolutely will not be. That, that's not going to happen. Getting his, getting his HLs fixed or not, we don't even know. Is he getting – no. He Well, fixed is uh, – that's – his situation will be substantially improved. Hopefully. Will he have ACLs? Hopefully. Pro- no. No. He's not going to have ACLs. He's not going to have surgery. Um, but he's going to be able to strengthen around it and get it, get it popping. So I think he'll – he will be so not – he's going to do the rest of his wrestling crew with no ACLs? Well, you never know. I mean, it could, there could come a time where if – here's what I think. A prediction. He's going to yeah. try, and he's going to get it strengthened around, just like the um, what's his name said. And then, if that's going well, he'll keep going. And if he has a yeah. setback, I think he would get it fixed with the idea that listen, twenty twenty three is really the where your eyes are going. He's got he has multiple red shirts at his disposal that he could use. He has his real one. He could take a medical if if he got hurt or whatever. So he's got options there. And then 2023 is really the world team to make, right? So you get on that team so you can qualify the weight, so you can sit out, so you can make the Olympic team in 24. So I think I think first thing is – My man's just going to be hobbling like Dan Gable no. when he's old. He'll be all right. But Chris, do you do one? Do you do both at the same time and just get wheelchaired everywhere? I don't know how they would do that. Um, with, with both of them. I do know that – so remember um, I learned I learned about more about ACLs based on your inquiry, Ben, because you're like, why did he not after the Mueller match get it fixed? Because that was a re-tear of the ACL. If you remember, he tore it in high school. He tore it again. So that process is not six months. It is a year, right? Oh, if you do the same one. Same one is a year. Therefore, so think about what that the implications there. That's trials, right? Remember, twenty nineteen. You're thinking if I'm a year, that's jamming up trials. So he didn't get it, and he and then he was wrestling great. So then he didn't get it. Then Olympics got pushed another year. So you still aren't going to get it. And then he tore the other one against Schroeder in the in the Big Ten finals. So that's how you end up with uh, with no ACLs at your disposal, but. Three NCA titles. Dang. So yeah, okay. kind of a weird that the timelines and everything make it uh, make it make sense. Even though I didn't realize I didn't realize that if you tear it again, it's a it's a longer road to recovery. So I'm a, I, have you done research? Because my other question there would be if you it, does the percentage to go up to keep re tearing it. Like if you. It, your, your percentage of tear at one time is yeah. 1%. If you've already torn it, does that go up to 5%? And if you've already torn it twice on the same knee, 
does it go up to 10 percent? you know is it something like that i think that's part of it too i think that um if you get it operating i think the more it gets operated i think the higher probability of a of a retear becomes got it so Hmm. yeah so that's why i think uh spencer will be He'll be healthier next year for sure than he was. He won't look like he did at the finals for sure. Got it. Uh, so that's good. But it is – yeah, I, I do think there's – Vito and Glory are probably higher level folk stylers than – I'm thinking than than Courtney. I don't know though. That's that's an interesting conversation. So with Courtney – so I feel like they're a higher level for sure. With Courtney, do – do we feel comfortable with him in tier two? Because, you know, and that's separating him from Taylor Lamont, he had a tiebreaker with. Uh, Jacob Camacho, 4-2. Eric Barnett, 9-7. And, and that one, that was crazy because he got a bunch of takedowns versus escapes and stalling or maybe one takedown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't, like, head and shoulders better than everyone else last year. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of feels weird to separate him from – you know, a Lamont or a Camacho so, or that, that type of I feel like Courtney earned the benefit of the doubt to be in the second tier for a couple of reasons. One, he beat all those guys. He did not lose to them. Yep. All, and all those guys in this tier, they all lost to people all around them. They were all losing matches and beating matches. And they were like part of this like group of people that just cannibalize itself. You know, Foley beats this guy, and McKee loses to this guy, but he beats this guy. Courtney also had the benefit of only wrestling them once. True. That a lot true. of this is in the in the Big Ten and whatnot. But even like a Teske, he beat a Teske. I don't know. I, well, I he think, got killed twice by Devin. Yeah, yeah, but if he maybe would have dueled, you know, a, a Pat McKee and a Brody Teske and Sam Latona earlier in the year, maybe he would have lost to them. Well, I, I, I think it's unfair to just assume that. I'm not assuming. When, I'm just. But, well, I mean, I mean, you could you could say that about any of these guys. You know, what if Gloria Benoit? What if he? I mean, the bottom line is he won all these matches. He True. only he only lost to Spencer Lee. Whereas True. all these guys, they were losing in the early matches too. Eric Barnett, uh, Pat McKee, these guys were all over the place. And Courtney yeah, so is like the one about, what about other the, than what shorter. What about so Courtney lost to Devin Schroeder fairly convincingly twice? How are you still calling him Schroeder? <laughs> You've messed it up so many Dang times. Are we? Are we? Uh, <laughs> are we? Are we throwing twenty twenty results out? Is that what you're doing? Um, what, why? I mean, I'm why okay do you say that? Twenty out because he he got major by Devin Schroeder and he got pinned by Devin Schroeder twice in twenty twenty. Who, who Courtney did? And Courtney, yes. Yeah, I mean, clearly, um, yeah, I'd throw it out now because look at what Courtney became. And then also, you know, Schroeder, I don't know if he regressed or he was, wasn't as healthy or whatever, but he did not have as good a season as uh, he did the year before. But then again, you know, he had a Cronin loss the year previously um, and, and a Coleoga yeah, loss. Yeah, I mean, he's not really that bad. Okay, he got, he got pinned by Eric Barnett. When he was winning that match, and if you remember, it was a crazy scramble. Mm-hmm. He lost to Patrick McKee, who ended up taking third. He lost to Rayvon Foley, who was ranked second in the country. He got beat by Spencer twice, and then I would say the, the, the biggest knock you could have on him was then he lost the round of 12 match to Eric Barnett mm-hmm. by four. Yeah, I mean, so, so I mean, he's 
do you think he should be in a different tier? So I have him in the third tier. Well, I just I, I really feel um, uh, you know what I don't I don't hate it if you do, but I feel I feel like you could also justify putting Courtney in that. I mean, that's a really big tier, but you Man. know, Latoya, Lamont, all those. So guys I don't know if we've even radio. said it. Bad radio. We haven't even said the tiers. We're just talking about them because we're looking at a list, but no one else knows our list. So it's totally. <laughs> Uh, so tier one is Spencer Lee, and he's by himself. Tier two, Pat Glory, Vito Rujal, Brandon Courtney. Tier three is big. McKee, Hildebrandt, Lamont, Latona, Teske, Camacho, Cardinale, Barnett, D'Agostino, Schroeder, Foley. Tier four, Robert Howard, Malik Heinzman, Mastro, and Ragason. I, I, Courtney has established himself above the fray with these tier three guys. They were, lo- they were all losing to each other. And that was that's not the case for, for for Brandon. He is he separated himself. Now I'm not saying it's it's not possible for one of those guys to pick him off, but they sure as heck didn't last year. And his draw was not great. It wasn't like a you know ideal path. He was opposite Spencer, which helps. But you know he had to beat yeah. some good guys to get there. So I'm not I'm not uh. Yeah, I think I think he's separated. I agree. Okay, but right. I mean, I so I don't know if you, I see I see and listen, maybe he has gotten a lot better. Maybe that was the difference. But if he were to wrestle, uh, you know, Devin Schroeder or Rayvon Foley and lose the match this year, I'm not all that shocked because if you look going into the NCAA tournament, the highest ranked guy he had re- wrestled was Teske. Teske five three. But then after that, it's Desario at number thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so he's not he's not getting the same effect as these Big Ten guys who are wrestling a whole bunch of really highly ranked. Right, guys. which is why going into NCAs, I was predicting Courtney's going to fall off. All the Big Ten guys in the ACC t- duo, they're going to beat him. Wrong, big wrong. He goes through Camacho. He goes through Eric Barnett. He beat Taylor Lamont. I mean, he did it. Lamont beat. Um, Lamont beat Latona, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. So, uh, I think I think that's about right. Okay. But, I can be you know, but as I as I say that, Ben, I want I, I just wanted to raise the concern. That no, said. I think I think it's the question to ask uh, because when you look at the second tier with Pat, Vito, and Courtney. I think he kind of sticks out a little bit there, and I'm and I'm kind of back. I'm like, well, is he really? I don't I don't think he's with those guys. Is he yeah. tier three island? Is he? That's the the question. Oh, I I could yeah. I could get with that because I think he's he's above the fray with the that current tier three group, but I don't think he's on the level of Glory and Vito. Who I'm also not convinced Vito's going twenty five again. Man, I think he should. I, think I know. I know, but it it might be better team wise if he goes thirty three. Man, I, well, yeah. listen, I don't know. I don't know what to expect with with Greg Diakamahalas. No, like I think good. I think he's great, but we haven't seen him. What's the last high level tournament we got to see? And just to kind of gauge where Greg's at, right? Because I know right now Vito's a, a top two or three guy, and I guess you could say he is. Yeah. At, at 33 as well. I mean, Dayton, he just beat Dayton in freestyle. Although Dayton freestyle, Dayton, I don't, I don't know how that match goes in folk style. Dayton versus 
Vito. And I don't know, I don't know how it goes in uh, Roman versus Vito in folk style. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe uh, it could be he, six and one. Folk style also. What is what about top and folk style? Vito's good on top and folk style also. Yeah, he is. He's 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 good at both styles. So I don't know where 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 he fits in. Um, I just feel like he's he's powerful. He's fast, and I think that's exacerbated at twenty five. And I think at thirty three, he might lose a little bit of that pop. Like I don't see him running through a, a Dayton or 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 a Roman. Yeah. There's also Spencer Lee there. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> the boogeyman does exist. Who who won? Uh, Glory Glory and Vito hit. I, I want to say NCAs and would that have been nineteen? Um, but I can't recall who beat who. Well, um, Glory beat him at EIWAs, um, but uh, Vito beat him at the duel. Okay. Yeah. Earlier that year. Hey, does, uh, does no knees no no ACL Spencer beat Roman Bravo Young uh, in March of twenty twenty one or no? Uh no. Okay, so we're talking no ACL. We're t- we're talking at NCAs. Yeah. Uh, Spencer versus RBY. No, I don't think so. RBY. I think R- Well, RBY is bigger. I mean, it's a different weight class. Um, well, but you're talking about you're talking about Vito going one weight or the other. Yeah, Vito's well, also bigger than Spencer. Uh, maybe not necessarily stronger, but definitely not. Um, well, I don't know. Well, I don't. I don't know what that question matters. I guess I don't know if I understand. It's well, hypothetical. You were saying, no, you were saying no. You guys literally just said that Vito should go thirty three because uh, one of the reasons that he may bump up was because Spencer's a tougher hurdle to get over. So that's mm-hmm. why I think it's relevant. Okay, got it. Um, yes, he is a tougher hurdle than than Roman, but yeah, and also, but, but I. <laughs> Okay. No. Well, hold on. Roman is you first did. of all. First of all, well, you uh, said uh, no. You guys said March. Uh, March Spencer, the one with, that yes. just tore his ACL. That guy doesn't exist anymore. Next year, that's totally irrelevant. Question. Like it's going. That's time travel. It's it's totally. It's not important to the conversation. Time travel. That was yeah. the past. <laughs> that was the past. This is now. Caleb Piles. Um. Okay. So those are 125 tiers. Good stuff there. Um, big, tier, big tier three. Big tier. Big tier three, but it's kind of – those guys were crazy all year long, and now we don't get to get yelled at about where we put Eric Barnett this year. That well, was you guys the, blew it last year. No, we, actually we didn't based on, like, the results. Uh, well, I was able to see the future. He you did. You did. You didn't. You didn't tell me you saw the future, and also you were a little biased. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, so we're gonna go. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Ben may or may not be uh, back in his studio. We hope. We hope they fix his internet, and we hope he stops mowing over it with his lawnmower. That's just a hope. There's no telling if it's going to happen. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. Goodbye.